Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Thank you, Don. And those words of, we'd rather have Jesus, reminds me that what we're doing really is an essential service. I know they want to try to keep people off the streets, people out of stores, people out out of contact with each other. And we all understand that, and we appreciate that. And yet, as Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone. And that obeying the Father was his food. And so we are in a place where we want to make sure that that you are made provision, you are made provision for by our worshiping together. And so we, we're here, we're maintaining social distance, but, um, but we're here on your behalf. Will you join me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you for, for your redeeming love, the transforming reality that is the result of your Son's presence with us. And we ask that even now that our lives might be attuned to your will, your spirit might be at work within us. Even as we gather together now, we ask, O Lord, that this might be a gathering that is a gathering that invites and welcomes the very presence of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the sermon series is based on William McRaven's tiny little book called Make Your Bed. And in this particular chapter, McRaven is talking about the fact that in SEAL training, they had to go through some of the toughest training. And one aspect of that, one of the toughest aspects of their training is that they had to go out in the dead of night off the coast of San Diego and with the fog rolling in, and then dive down in the thick darkness where they couldn't even see their, their own hands in front of their faces. All they had was a tiny little light from which they could read their compass. And then they had to go and plant a uh, make-believe explosive onto the hull of a ship and get out of there alive. And so he speaks of that as going into the darkness and having to be their very best in the midst of the darkness. Well, Jesus entered the darkness for us, the darkness of Gethsemane, the darkness of the dungeon, the darkness of the trial, the darkness of his death. And it is for us and because of us that he went into that darkness. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus told his disciples, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night... 
before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you didn't even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Jesus then went with them to the Olive Garden called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit of willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus left a second time and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. My betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leaders of the priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him a kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. He got at his understanding to this hearing of his word. So Jesus, in the darkness of Gethsemane, Jesus in that dark place where he was moved to pray to God that he might not have to go through it. For death was to Jesus not just something to go through. It was a, a real, it was a real painful, awful death that he anticipated. For he knew the ways of crucifixion. And he prayed that God would take that cup of suffering from him. And God said no. God said that he had to go through what it was that he had to go through. And of course, the disciples, they all said, no, I'll be there for you. We're all going to man up. We'll be there. Peter in particular, I'll be there. Even if everyone else fails you, I won't fail you. And Jesus, of course, reminded him that he would deny him three times that he couldn't even stand the withering 
interrogation of a young girl in the garden. And he would deny Jesus. So Jesus was abandoned by his disciples. He went to pray. And there in the garden, as he prayed, those who said they would never deny him couldn't even stay awake. Full of food and probably wine. Jesus said, the flesh is willing. Pardon me, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Go ahead and sleep. Keep going. Jesus was alone. And then they came out as if they were going to capture some criminal with swords and clubs. And Judas, the betrayer, and the Greek is powerful in this case, falls on Jesus' neck. It is a, a kiss of deep brotherhood, of, of collegiality, of, of real friendship. Falls on Jesus' neck and kisses him. And Jesus, in the midst of that darkness, rises up, calls him friend, despite the betrayal. Jesus, in the midst of his darkness, in the midst of his darkest time, nevertheless demonstrated his character, what he was made of. He came to love. He came to demonstrate the love of God to all of us and to to do what he must to demonstrate that love. And even before the time of his passing, even before that brutal crucifixion, Jesus did his best. He rose up and evidenced the reality of God in him and demonstrated a a love that was uncommon and unexperienced up to that time. There was no striking back. William McRaven says, at some point we will all confront a dark moment in life. That dark moment might be betrayal. That dark moment might be the loss of a job, the loss of a spouse. That dark moment may be the loss of one who is so loved we can hardly stand to live without that one. But we all face those dark dark moments in life. If not the passing of a loved one, then something else that crushes your spirit and leaves you wondering about your future. In that dark moment, reach inside yourself and be your very best. Well, I would even say reach outside ourselves. Reach outside to the reality of God being with us. And, and in that, we find the strength that we need to be our very best. The presence of God when we lose one whom we love so, so deeply. And this is, in so many ways, the story of our congregation over these last several months. And the loss of spouses, the loss of those who are so dear to us. And a number of our people have been plunged into that deep darkness. And they've found that they don't have the resources within and so they have to reach outside of themselves. Have to reach out to your son, our savior Christ. And so, There we are in that 
in that dark place, but time and again, our people are finding the solace, the hope, and the courage that they need when they've lost so much. And they rise up. And what that demonstrates also is that the the Lord himself went into our darkness. The darkness of Gethsemane was the darkness that we created. It wasn't simply the time of day. It was the darkness of our brokenness, our sin, our depravity. It's a good Presbyterian word, depravity. (laughs) But it's true. It's what we are. We have, a, we have a propensity to think we're free when we're, in, when we're in prison, when we're in bondage. This week, I think we all saw in the news this kid down from Ohio for spring break. I think he was over in, Saint, in Fort Lauderdale. And he declared to the camera, he said, well, if I got corona, I've got corona, but I'm not going to let it get in the way of my partying. So he thinks that's freedom. But what that evidenced was the deep darkness of his bondage. He's a kid. And he apologized. But he's he's a kid. And that, that reflects some of the bondage that we all have in all of our lives, that darkness that holds us, that hold us, holds us in those dark places, into which Jesus entered, so that we might be made free. Augustine tells a story about when he was a kid with some of his friends. For really no reason at all, he stole some pears, not because he was hungry, not because they were good, they weren't even ripe. And these boys went out and then threw the pears at pigs. And he said it felt so good. And what was wrong with him that doing something of that sort Made him, made him feel good. What was going on in his heart and life that just being nasty felt good. He said, I, I lusted to thieve and I did it. Compelled by no hunger, no poverty, it was foul and I loved it. I loved my own fault I loved my own shame. That's our darkness. That is our depravity. And, And when we are sober enough to look at the realities of our own hearts and lives and we recognize that darkness within us. And, and yeah, we are really good at explaining ourselves away and making ourselves rise up above what are our dark impulses? Sooner or later, we have to come to realize that we ourselves have created the bondages that we find ourselves in. We have surrounded ourselves with our own darkness. Reinhold Niebuhr says, man is an individual but not self-sufficing. The law of his nature is love, a harmonious relation to life, of life to life in obedience to the divine center and source of his life. This law is violated when he seeks to make himself the center 
and the source of his own life. And that's what we do. We seek to make ourselves the center and the source. And when we awaken to the reality of our bondage, then then we we realize that we are not alone in that darkness. And that Jesus himself entered our dark place on our behalf. We created Gethsemane. We were the disciples that denied and deserted. We were the temple priests and scribes and Pharisees that did the arresting. We were the brutal Roman soldiers that did the scourging and the the whipping and finally the, the crucifying. That was us. That was our doing. There is no blaming anyone for any of that. That is the darkness into which Jesus descended. I've often been asked about that language in the Apostles' Creed about how it says that he descended into hell. He did. And it's a hell that we can recognize right here. It's a hell of of our own making. And yet, we can be a people that as we reach down deep inside, and this is good Quaker theology, as we deep, reach down deep inside, we can find there the indwelling spirit of Christ. And as we, as we reach out to our Lord and, and we acknowledge that he is with us, he gives us the strength to rise up in the midst of such dark times. He gives us the strength that we need to be his children despite the fact that so much of the darkness of our time is a darkness that we have created. So it is in those times when when we experience a darkness that is impinged upon us, the darkness that has come to us from the outside, it's then that we realize kind of the state of the world as we've made it, the mess that we've made. You know, theologically, all of this is the result of the fall. It's all from the fall. And the fall is not the story of one man and one woman sinning. It is the story of every man and every woman sinning. The story of the fall is the story of each and every one of us. And the catastrophe that we have been afflicted with because of what we have brought down onto this planet. We were not made except for eternity. We were not made to live in fear of of a virus. We're not made to live in, in fear for our lives. As our Apostle Paul reminds us, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're able to face the realities of this life with courage and with strength and not with foolishness or fear because our Lord has loved us and has met us in the darkness and he raises us up. And so we, with all that we are and all that we have and all that we, because we belong to one another, we abide together with our Lord. 
you join me in prayer. And oh, Father, we would descend ourselves into guilt were it not for your forgiveness. So often we feel like that kid who said, we don't want anything in this life to get in the way of our partying. But the reality is that we have been made for a celebration that is far beyond anything that we could ever ask or think. And so it is our participation in your celebrating with us the reality of your son's love. In that do we find our strength and in him alone do we find our light. We thank you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.